I'm excited to be here, guys. Thank you so much. And whatever you guys are comfortable with, I can go with Joseph or Yusuf. I usually live by both names anyways. <laughs> that is an interesting, it's an interesting paradigm. But for those who are familiar with the Big Brother franchise, uh, cast member from the BB24 uh, or 24 season of Big Brother, Joseph Adnan, as a Nas and I would call him Yusuf or brother, whatever you want to call uh, the, the, the member, the the guest we have here today, very happy to have you. Um, I'll just call you Joseph for the for the posterity because I'm sure that's yeah. how a lot of people in America yes. know you as. But <laughs> for those of for those of our listeners who don't know you, Joseph, who are you? Uh, so just a little bit ba- uh, background on me, guys. So I am a personal trainer and attorney. I recently got recruited to go on the U.S. Big Brother series, and I completed the series right around the time I passed the Florida bar exam. So early on into my legal career, um, I went to FIU undergrad honors college where I got my double major in business management and international business. I was on the FIU powerlifting team where I I competed um, for USAPL and held a Florida teenage bench press record. Followed by by that, I went to Florida State College of Law and then ended up on Big Brother early and into my legal practice. And here I am now with these two amazing people. <laughs> yeah, Anas is pretty great. Anas is he's pretty good. But So Anas and I, we often talk about fitness, well-being, both physical and mental. Uh, but from the standpoint of just some friends talking and, you know, with our third counterpart, uh, Josh Del Rosario, who is a... Uh, I didn't say PT enough. No, no, no. He's a du- he's a chiropractor. <laughs> he's a chiropractor. <laughs> oh, oh, wow, that's, that's very right. interesting. Uh, fun fact: I actually got admitted to chiropractic school, but I I didn't go. <laughs> Whoa, really? Yes. <laughs> so I, I'm curious. Then, what is your you know with with fitness and and everybody's introduction? It's a little bit looks a little bit different for me. It was high school. We had a previous episode about this. Uh, yeah, I was just kind of playing around with benching, um, and us, you know, your, your journey looked a little bit different, Joseph, for you, what is your introduction into fitness look like? How old were you? Uh, so I was actually very young. There was a nearby LA fitness that opened up to my house a little bit walking distance. Um, around the time in high school, I just signed up for, there was a weightlifting class and, um, I was naturally pretty good at it. But I just felt like it was a great way to manage, you know, a lot of my energy, the ADHD. I just felt like my days and my confidence were improving uh, just by these small weightlifting classes that were mandatory in high school. I think I was a sophomore or junior. Um, Followed by that, you know, I was working. So I bought a gym membership and would walk to the gym every single day. And um, just that increase in my overall well-being, my mental health, my physical health. Um, that that became addicting to me. And, um, you know, growing up in a Middle Eastern household, uh, it's nice to take a break from it sometimes. So uh, I what would is, definitely what is it though, man? <laughs> what is it about like just Middle Easterns in, in general? We're just we just look good, man. I, I got to say, I, I can't. 
it's the genetics, the genetics. But yeah, I uh, my introduction slowly came from, um, you know, just uh, uh, I wanted to improve on myself. I would say that's that was my main goal. Is um, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to improve my mental and physical health, and um, a lot of that, you know, my introduction having to do with my mother, who you know suffers from an array of mental health issues, so and physical health issues. So I wanted to take advantage that you know I'm able to get out of bed every day. Um, I can see clearly through both my eyes and um, get in the gym yeah. and you know just promote that healthy lifestyle. No, that I mean that, that I can relate in a lot of ways. You know, with with that. when I first started, it was because of a bad breakup, um, and I was in a really dark spot mentally, and I and I felt like I needed to have some control over my life, and I felt like I needed to have some anchor to say, okay, this is I, I, everything around me is kind of going crazy. Everything around me is is not something that I can necessarily uh, force the outcome of, but at least my body. You know, how many reps I do in the gym, my nutrition that's something that I can say that I'm taking an active uh, participation in, in, in shaping the outcome. So uh, yeah, fitness in a way was my, it was my way into a better mental health state. Absolutely. I, I tell uh, my clients this, my friends this, my family, anyone who comes into contact with me is, um, it sounds so simplistic of the act of just going to the gym or lifting weights, but there's so much more to it like you said whether it's you trying to gain control or you know build that confidence um i I honestly couldn't attribute one reason to why i started going into the gym my brother being diabetic my mother's health issues my lack of confidence my inability to fit in um in my early high school and you know overall life in academia um all those aspects kind of fell in line once i started you know, to exercise. And as simplistic as it sounds, it's not a one-stop shop to fixing everything, but it's a good place to start. For sure. I mean, my background is a little bit different because, I mean, I moved uh, to Texas 16 um, and moving from Jordan. And like, if you, and like, if you know Jordan, like soccer is a huge thing over there. Um, like of everyone, course. <laughs> everyone plays soccer. So growing up, I was playing soccer playing soccer like since like I was five years old, up years old, up until like I was 16. Uh, but when I moved here, I moved here. It was a little bit different. Like the culture was a little bit different. Soccer wasn't as big. Um, so I was looking for something else to replace, um, replace for me. Like it was, uh, and it was like the gym. I started going to the gym, then got into a thing. And since then, like that's, um, now it's mainly like what I, what I really enjoy doing. I know you're a personal trainer. And um, I do, I mean, I do, I mean, I do, which is like kind of similar. I'm curious, like yes. what's, what's like, uh, cause like, I know you're also an attorney. How do you balance, balance both your, uh, like your, like your personal training, like now that you passed the bar, the bar, like, are you interested more into just doing the personal training aspect? Or are you trying to kind of, um, kind of redirect yourself into more, more into the, the, the law? Um, so I'm so, uh, and thank you for this question. So I was primarily a personal trainer throughout law school, um, uh, for Florida state. Um, they, we have a gym called, uh, the leech fitness center and, uh, I got my certification. And once I got my certification, I was hired in the commercial, uh, college gym. 
I was working there. We had our own like personal training course that you had to pass on top of the uh, board cert or national certification. So I received my certification and did the class for Florida State and then started working in their gym there. Later, I passed um, the F45 instruction. So I was a personal trainer and a group fitness instructor. This was just primarily for my income and passion um, throughout law school. I, I just needed, you know, a couple dollars to just get through, um, you know, studying. And I was so passionate about the gym, but I felt myself becoming distracted and falling into a dark place in law school because exercise is such a big part of my life. I would find it yeah. coming second to my legal studies. So I was like, you know what, let me incentivize myself to get in there, you know, change people's lives, help a lot of my fellow law students. I think a couple of my first clients were my fellow law uh, students, uh, classmates, and I started working out there just for myself and to help others. So it was a really hard balance initially. I think I would, you know, train three to five clients a week, try to make it my weekend priority and my late night. Um, I, I would do late night uh, training sessions. So primarily I was in class all day, finishing class, go do a couple trainings. Maybe let's say I would get out of class at like five, go home, take care of the dogs, eat, be in the gym by six, train a client from like maybe six to eight and then work out myself from like eight to nine, go home, study, and then be back at, in class the next day. So the balance was extremely stressful and tedious. But the thing is, if you love what you're doing and you have a reason for why you're doing it, you don't necessarily feel it. I look back at it and um, I think it's crazy considering how much I would squeeze into a day. Um, but Throughout law school, it was a lot manageable. Then once I graduated and started preparing for the bar exam, um, I paused personal training. I was primarily just studying for the bar exam. Um, because I graduated law school early, I was a little bit behind in my bar preparatory courses. I didn't take any within law school. So without taking any real bar prep courses from graduating early, I was like already at a crutch when preparing. So I really wasn't afforded the luxury to even work out for myself. Like preparing for the bar was a pretty dark time for me. It was a, it was a miserable, mm. I think month and a half, especially since I caught COVID. Good God. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was not the best of times. And then, so I fa I passed the bar started, uh, I'm working at a law firm and then I get recruited to big brother. So like before I really make, yeah, before I really make the decision, of which path I'm going to start to walk. Um, Big Brother comes along and just kind of sends me for a spin. <laughs> and here I am now, like back where I started debating, you know, this influence, personal training, course of life, or my legal career. But, you know, that is kind of the dilemma I'm faced because I'm stuck in the middle. But I do think there is a way I can grab this stick by the middle and just balance both of them without sacrificing one. Yeah, sounds like a sounds like TBD, you know. Yes, you're, you're still figuring it out. Yeah, I, I mean, with the influx of influencers, like I feel like it's become a lot more. Uh, fitness has become very viable as a as a as a career. I mean, fitness influencers are, are huge. Um, going from you know YouTube back in when I started back in high school, which is like you know not to date myself, but back 2014, 2013 ish. Um, 
YouTube is where mm. was how I got a lot of my information. Now yes. it's Instagram, then TikTok. TikTok, like, yep. Obviously, not the not the not to hold you to anything, but like you know, could we see some some Joseph fitness related <laughs> content coming out on some social medias? Absolutely. I actually plan to you know start a YouTube channel, um, really start tailoring my social media pages. I mean, if you guys watched Big Brother, primarily and a lot of my persona no one even knows I'm an attorney <laughs> and they actually, actually they, they, which it's true. It's, it wasn't a lie. My, me up playing my personal training is because it was, it was actually genuine. I don't think anyone was able to figure out. I had more of a career path than personal training because I was so passionate about it. And it was something I was always speaking about and I was training other house guests um, throughout my whole time in big brother. So it's such a big aspect of my life that I definitely do plan to incorporate it and, you know, try to motivate and encourage others. As you guys can see with the technology from just to get me on here, I'm still navigating how I can do it effectively, efficiently, but I definitely plan to once I can, you know, have the correct setup and platforms and then, you know, footage, there's mm -hmm. so much mm -hmm. more that goes into it. And, this is a whole new world and arena for me, but I definitely want to navigate it as best as I can and, you know, get that content yeah. out there to everybody. Yeah. No, you got a great stage presence. I mean, I, okay. I got to shout out my, my beautiful wife, Ruth, honestly, because she just gave birth to our beautiful son, Rami. But, and then our picture's coming soon, dog. Don't worry. But, um, <laughs> but, when she told me originally, you know, she loves Big Brother. She's in a draft with her friends Erica and Zara. But um, oh my god, you know they 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 do all this. They do all this con competitively, right? They do this uh, for a living almost. When it's Big Brother season, oh, shut it down, <laughs> shut it down. And I I, oh I, I watch god, that's casually. So, that's so you know, amazing it's here. On a, it's on in the house, so I'm watching it with her. Uh, <laughs> but come come draft session where we sit down and everybody chooses their their people. Um, this was before the cast change. And then last minute, she's like, Hey, this guy, Joseph replaced one of my characters. So you're on her team. Oh, wow. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> she's, she's already, she's already in, invested in you winning hundred percent. And I'm not going to ruin it for anybody who still wants to watch the last season of big brother. But for those who don't know, big brother, you're, you're basically like sequestered in a house all summer, like for as long as you can make it through the competition. But like, Yes, you know that you're you're cut off from the outside world. You're cut out from outside meals. You only have like a certain amount of things you bring with you into the house. Yes. and from a fitness perspective, like you come in shredded. Now, I will say this, Joseph, your your fade looked a lot cleaner on the first day than it did on the, the last day. <laughs> Trust me, you do not have to tell me. I was begging for a haircut. <laughs> but it looked no, it, it still looked good. You have you have a good head of hair. But uh, aside from the the fade going away, like you still kept in shape. You you still you didn't lose, you know, much if any um body mass from a visual perspective. So like I'm curious, you know, during that time, you know, your 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 last minute having to go to the house, like how did you prepare like meals how'd you prepare like your your mindset like did you still hit your workouts in like how did you manage all that wow so um that's a great question so uh getting into the house initially one as an as you mentioned the initial cast was released i wasn't a part of it um i i didn't expect to go into the house i wasn't really anticipating it 
I, uh, I came in as an alternate. The reason I accepted the position was, although I'm barred in, um, and I passed the Florida bar exam so I can practice law in the state of Florida, um, Florida does not have reciprocity with any other state. So I'm limited to only practicing law in Florida. In order to practice law in other states, there's another bar exam called the uniform bar. So most attorneys think you're a psycho if you take the bar more than once, me being the yeah. psycho I am. I signed up to take the uniform bar exam, which was on July 26, I believe. And um, so I, when they re, when Big Brother recruited me, offered me an alternate position and told me, hey, I'm going to steal. I'm, we're going to put you in a hotel room for a couple weeks in preparation. You're not going in unless something goes wrong. And, um, you know, you can just study for your exam. We'll take your phone and you get paid for it. I was like, yeah, sign oh, me up. Wow. So I, I shot over there, not really anticipating I'm going in. So um, one thing with Big Brother is you're not allowed unless it's doctor approved and all these like uh, you have to go through all these hoops in order to take supplements. So I couldn't take any of my pre-workout BCAs. None of that was allowed. So um, wait, wait, and, and which what? I thought the Big Brother experience would be so unique to me personally, because I would love to see how my body reacts to this type of environment. Just absolutely nothing. For the next three months, no pre-workout, no BCAs, no creatine, no nothing, and just see how how it would mold and shape if my strength will maintain. Um, so I, I really, and I'm on a strict routine. I, I'm pretty, I, I watch my nutrition. I, I always want to get some more information on nutrition and dietary information. Obviously, I, as a personal trainer, I'm, my knowledge is basically limited to the workouts themselves. Um, with a very, uh, my certain ISSA lightly touches on nutrition, but nothing where, you know, it would be grounds to call myself an expert or anything of that nature. But I, um, I, I went in the house and next thing I know is, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see how this all plays out, but I really wasn't working out as much as I did. Like normally I actually go to the gym every single day. Um, even on my off days, I just find it very productive if I can walk or, you know, go yeah. on the treadmill and listen to a podcast. So I'm physically in the gym every day. Now my working out as like intensely, uh, not necessarily cause that can't be too productive, but I, I get myself in there every single day in the big brother house for that three month experience in total between in the actual set in the jury house, the sequester period. Um, I really wasn't exercising. Um, it was very limited, maybe once or twice a week, I would try and get in there. Um, I was absolutely slacking even now post big brother with all the slacking. interviews and new opportunities and traveling. I still have not found myself back into the routine and regiment that I was initially in. I've seen some mm -hmm. before and after pictures of right before I went in the house and now, there isn't a drastic change. Definitely noticed a little loss in muscle mass and strength, but um, I, I honestly anticipated it to be a lot worse considering my diet hasn't been strict. My workout routine has fell loose. So right. um, Traveling ultimately, everywhere. not that I would ever be satisfied with you know a decline in my performance, but considering the circumstances, you know, one thing I always believe is to cut even yourself some slack. And considering everything I went through and the form I was able to maintain, I'm, I'm, you know, appreciative, but I actually drew the line this week and have been getting back in the gym. I think you saw my, my live and my video. I'm trying to also incentivize myself and my followers 
to exercise and that's just by like engaging with them um and making a joke and stuff uh, of the workout and just like you know i'll go live and joke about it and stuff like that yeah (laughs) no i i'm I'm curious about your training because i know like you haven't been able to get your to get your own to get your routine because because of the busy schedule but whenever you had time what does your training like what what do you do like do you train like leg legs a couple times a week? Yeah. So I, I primarily strength train and usually I'll do a push pull uh, legs circulation. So like I always try to work out every body part at least twice a week um, with that extra single day where it should be my rest day being a hit or cardio intensive workout. So usually I'll strength train twice a week, like push pull legs. Um, and that, let's say if I do push, pull legs again, push, pull legs that leaves Sunday for like a hit, um, or cardio intensive training day. And, um, I'm also heavily before, you know, I'm trying to get back into it again, but right before big brother, I was heavily into yoga and meditation. Um, and when I say yoga, it's, um, a combination of hit workouts with stretching. So, um, it's a studio nearby my house where I would work out and we would do, in like a hundred degree room, like, you know, an hour long, oh, like maybe 30 minutes yoga. of hit workouts and followed by 30 minutes of stretching. I would then go to the gym. So I was working out technically twice a day, then going to the gym to, uh, strength train. So you're, you're mainly interested in strength. Uh, like I know, I mean, in some powerful nerd, I opened your, uh, database, like your, your history, your com- competitive history. Yes. Like I saw you a few times you've competed, at. Uh, Orlando Open Championship in 2016, yes. and you get collegiate now. Uh, I'm looking at, your, looking at your numbers. Like your bench seems like the one lift that you're you're kind of like you're probably excel at the bench. Yes. Um, was was that the thing like thing like you've always focused on? Or have you always also so focused on the squat and deadlift as well, or was or was it just the mainly benching? Um. So I primarily focused on bench because I have a disc in my lower back. So, and, and my strength has been extremely limited and my performance by my lower back issues. So I try to, you know, obviously still exercise and do those other compound movements like deadlifts and squatting, but I try to accommodate to, uh, the lower back spasms and disc bulge. So I, I'm not necessarily able to perform and excel as far as I would with bench, even in benching, I've micro teared my chest a couple times like going um above and beyond i think i went for 4 10 and i got it or it was 405 i got it but then i micro teared my chest and couldn't lift so i try to avoid either you know further exacerbating injuries or uh you know creating new ones but bench was yeah. my primary like you know especially for that lift um when i went to collegiates i uh i primarily would focus on that because i was already at a point in 2016 where like you know i had my limitations with my back and even till now mm-hmm. and um uh i just you know i, I was kind of focusing on my bench at that point and then um that was like you know my main way of trying to gain points um and, and your bench is actually pretty because back in 2016 like no one was Anyone who benches over three fifteen pounds, like is, yeah, like yeah, like that's, that's a monster. Hey, like yeah. back then you benched one fifty seven and a half. At one fifty seven and a half is I think like three 
48 like three yes. four yeah i think it was close to 350 mm-hmm. and like that was at a body weight of body weight 86 so your bench was actually like super impressive back in the day um and like you've only gotten stronger it sounds like um do you have do you have any interest in again like doing a bench only competition I, I actually haven't waited out. I've been I've started to tailor since 2016 till now more to bodybuilding and less to powerlifting. So uh, you know what's funny is exiting the Big Brother house. I, I yesterday I wanted to see where that was like one of the few times I I just like started benching again since leaving the house. The house had like we had very very limited workout equipment, and even when we did, um, we had limited weight. So I think we were only allowed to bench press maybe like once a week. And majority of the time, I would skip using it because, you know, the stress of the house or playing the game prevented me from exercising. So I uh, I just recently, I think that was probably the second time I've benched since getting out of the house. And I got 315 for two. And what's funny is I'm sure you guys can relate to this is it didn't necessarily feel like a strength um, weakness. I felt like I could keep going. It was more like I'm actually intensely sore <laughs> from, you know, going so long without exercising and then just jumping right back into it. But obviously I should have also thrown the disclaimer. Like I, I was warming up intensely before that lift yeah, because you considering how you long practice, it's been and my preach. normal strength where my bench ranges is usually anywhere between, I would say, uh, probably 360 to 375 maybe 380 um that's where i'm usually sitting now when i'm when i'm waiting when i start to weigh between 180 to like 188 uh just depending on my diet how intensely i'm i'm working out um i'll fluctuate between those numbers joseph a lot of our listeners are young and some of them may be going through law school, but a lot of them are tackling new careers. A lot of them are tackling their own academic ventures where they might find themselves with uh, increased priorities throughout the day, more things to get done, less time to do it. Can you use your time in law school and maybe give some tips and pointers on how you manage to maintain your, your physical health and how you stayed healthy, relatively speaking? You know, it's a, you just have to prioritize to make it a lifestyle and not an obligation. So what I would do is make sure that no matter what I gave an hour to myself. So there's 24 hours within a day. I was like, you know what, it's, let's just accommodate these accordingly. And, you know, time management in this aspect is a huge and key part to accomplishing a goal you want. So the first one being the mindset. So a lot of people would tell me that, you know, you can't do it. Um, you're a law student, that should be your priority. And they're absolutely right. With that mindset, I'm not going to do it. It's not going to get accomplished. But I wanted to maintain my physique, prioritize my physical health. A lot of times it it was almost looked at like I'm not taking law school seriously because there would be nights before final exams um, or, you know, huge tests. And I would be in the gym (laughs) and everyone else would be studying in the library. So it would look like I, perception, And at the end of the day, I wanted to pass that exam just as much as my other classmates. But ultimately, like there is there's a line that needs to be drawn in order so you're not overexerting yourself. And so you're giving the right amount of time to the right aspects. My sister's in law school, too. She didn't take the same approach as me. Um, She's a lot more. I I believe she's a lot harder on herself and she's a lot more dedicated to her legal 
career. But with me, as much as I wanted to be an attorney, I didn't want it so much that I lost myself. So I think people, not that I would ever say should, you know, lose track of their motivation, but there is such, there is the capability of overexerting yourself and doing too much. So I do think, and I, I witnessed that firsthand in law school. So for me, that was something where like, I was like, you know, if I spent six, seven hours studying this, any further is counterproductive. So go to the gym, come back with some fresh eyes and just, you know, breaking away from that, you know, overexertion. And, and that thing that I think was a huge key aspect of success for me, maintaining, you know, my personal training career, working as an F45 instructor, maintaining my physique and then getting through law school quicker than um a majority of my classmates. And I think that all had to do with mindset. Right. It's, I was going to say, it's interesting that you mentioned like that you've heard people tell you that at a certain point in time in your life that you're not going to prioritize fitness anymore, whether it be law school or whether it be whatever, whatever other career um, that you would have gotten into. I think it's very relatable. It's something we've mentioned time and time again, that uh, from the outside looking in, fitness can seem like a phase or fitness can seem like it is a way to to escape or a crutch you know that a lot of people can yes. use you know so you mentioned the socializing part of the gym and that can become uh, very time time consuming i can speak from experience absolutely um, you know four hour workouts that consist of three hours of talking sure yeah you know we can the the the, the, the argument could be made that that may be an issue of, of time management, like you were mentioning, but success without losing your health is very important. You know, it's, yeah. that's something that is never going to go away. I feel like, um, within us. And it's something that people shouldn't look at as an excuse to just stop, stop lifting, whether it be lifting weights or yoga or walking or eating right, or just keeping a handle on your, your physical health. It doesn't mean everybody has to be as shredded, as Joseph Abden, or even as shredded as Anas, because um, Anas is, is super shredded. Go go to Anas's. Definitely not. Definitely not as shredded. As, <laughs> no one can get that shredded. That'd be unfair. But but when it comes to you know body image or what it, when it comes to your your physical well being, there's so many downstream effects that it can have on on your mental health and your 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 attitude during the day. I believe that if prioritizing your fitness is something that you you do you'll see the benefits uh, almost immediately you know they always say you you look good you feel good and good is subjective it doesn't mean you're gonna have a six-pack but it could just mean that yes. you're you're being a little bit more active and so it, shifting that paradigm to say oh no i'm not gonna outgrow this actually this is something that'll always be a part of me just in different capacities that's something that we we always try to push and we always try to celebrate Absolutely. And I, I think you put it perfectly. Again, it's perspective. Like it, I'm not going to fall into the construct that is if you want to be a successful law student, you need to stop prioritizing your health or, you know, your physical and mental appearance, whether it's not that direct, but that is the construct I'm supposed to fit into. Like, oh, because I'm a law student, I'm expected not to exercise as much or mm -hmm. not to prioritize myself as much as the books. And you're given I the excuse. Yes, I'm given the excuse. And that's something I wasn't going to allow myself to do. It's not an excuse. And 
in no way will I undermine the journey that is becoming an attorney. It is an extremely difficult and hard route. But as you mentioned, with that difficulty, it's offered a lot of room for excuses and not necessarily the proper manner because these excuses are enrooted in overexertion. So it's not really justifiable because it's not practical. So a lot of the a lot of what I would push against is I would if this required a sacrifice in my GPA, which if maybe I was studying effectively and efficiently, then it wouldn't be, but there is a way to balance it all. And I, I will yeah, I'm not gonna sit here. I did not graduate top of my class. And that's very I still was very well situated within my class ranking and I graduated early, but I I wasn't even I, I don't wanna correlate or say that it was required for me to stop working out in order to do so. I would love to meet the person who does both because you know I think it can be done. Um I haven't cracked that formula, but ultimately I I don't want to, as you mentioned, become the person my whole life, since I started working out around 15, um, people have always told me, wait till, you know, you get to college, you'll see, wait till you graduate college, wait till you start working, you'll see, you'll see, you'll see. And like you mentioned, I just hear a lot of excuses. So I was always, um, very often I will meet people in the gym, which is why I leave a space for socializing. I love to sit in the sauna. I love the heat and to sweat. So, and I'll have some very interesting conversations, um, with people who, especially now when they would ask me, oh, what's your job? Like usually um, I can I can sense someone starting a conversation with me to justify why it is that they don't work as hard as me. Um, this has been an ongoing oh, narrative man. for me in the sauna. I will sit with someone who they'll immediately ask me, you know, I'm, uh, I'm pretty young. Like I've been going to the gym since I was 15, now being 25. Um, recently, like right before Big Brother, I was having a conversation with a gentleman in the sauna and he was sitting with me and he was like, he starts it off with, what steroids do you take? Um, oh, yeah. And I was like, no, hello, no, how are you? We're sitting in the sauna. He looks at me and he goes, what steroids do you take? And I start laughing and I was like, I don't take any steroids. And His name was wasn't like, Garrett, was it? oh okay and he's like so what steroids do you take and i was like i i don't touch anything in that nature capacity i was like i don't <laughs> go near anything like that and right. um he was like well how do you look like, like that i was like i'm in here every day i was like you can literally ask any person who goes to this gym they will know who i am because i'm in here every single day and, right. um, and I'm very, and you can ask any one of my friends and family, I'm so strict about my gym regimen and my diet. Of course. And of I was course. like, that, that is, that is the reason for this. And he was just like, that's so trippy, oh. man. Yeah. So he then further tries to justify it. He goes, okay, well, even if that's the case, he's like, well, then he was like, I wish, um, uh, I think he was an electrician. So he was like, well, mm. you know, I, he was like, you're so lucky you're young and you're not working. Um, I, uh, I work all the time, so I can't afford to come to the gym as often as you do. And I was like, oh, no, no. Like, I, this is, I was actually working at my law firm at the time. And I was like, no, I'm an attorney. I, I work from eight to six. And like, he damn. was like, well, yeah. And yeah, he was what just, do you say? Like, oh, what do you well, say? he ended it with, you have good genetics. Yeah. Let's yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, throw no, that in there. Let's, let's yeah. Just, yeah, genetics don't count, though. But yeah. I was born so, this way. 
Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. Jack baby is what it was. Yeah. And, yeah. and I've had more, I've had a lot of those conversations and it's unfortunate to me because what was limiting that man was his mindset and his oh, yeah. perspective. It wasn't his job. It wasn't his, um, his genetics. It, it was genuinely his mindset and walking into them. I, I could already tell from the second he, he looked at my physique and I'm going to be completely honest. I appreciate the compliments, but my physique is nothing that I would consider, you know, unachievable or unattainable um, no, no. or of requiring yeah, an unnatural approach. So yeah. him, Anas maybe, but not you, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Anas. Uh, so him <laughs> looking at me and initially thinking this is only achievable through the route of steroids already told me from our initial conversation, this is a closed minded individual and I tried, we actually ended up having like a very long productive conversation about lifestyle and perspective. And that was his, the steroid he needed was to, you know, believe in himself. And that's where I think, you know, that, that lack of confidence that a lot of people enter is probably the most crutching and detrimental aspect to anyone. Like believing that to look like, to achieve your goal, you might need, you know, um, enhancements like steroids or anything mm-hmm. beyond that, you're never going to reach those goals if you think they're not reached. Hard work is required regardless, whether you in, decide to incorporate the enhancements or not. But depending yeah. on what goal you want to reach, I wouldn't always say, like, for example, the man who was speaking to me, he thought enhancements were mandatory <laughs> to reach this type listening. of physique. I know. So do I. I'm like so... I'm so pumped, honestly. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really jazzed about um, you overall having being being a. And you know, I don't want to typecast you in this way. You know, you're a lot more than just being a Palestinian and Syrian, Syrian descent. Like you're so yes. much more than that. But seeing somebody like you on TV, um, it's like so awesome. It's inspirational because <laughs> I know that uh, Kaser was somebody. He's Iraqi. And he was on a, a past season, The Big Brother. I tried watching that season. Like he was the only good thing about it. I, I really couldn't get into it. I guess. <laughs> but you know, like, did you did you seek this type of like? Did you want to represent the Arab community? I guess is my question to you. When you wanted to get on this TV show, because you talked about you know, people's excuses, and I think a lot of times people can use their backgrounds as a reason for not doing something. Oh, I can't be on this TV show because I don't look like the traditional person or I can't break into the scene because I don't look like the right type of person. You know, you don't, you don't have that barrier uh, in entering. So what was your intention to get on big brother? And now that you've kind of seen how much you've inspired me, like, how does that make you feel? Uh, it makes me feel amazing. So you're, um, and of course there's, um, I tried to do, I wasn't too familiar with getting on to big brother beforehand. Kaser was one of the middle Eastern Arabs, that and we're kind of all grouped uh, i think middle eastern arab and muslims who you know got on the show i think is now that i'm becoming more familiar there was uh victoria russell Faisal, um so who goes by fessy um so i'm getting more but caser being obviously a very notorious player um who had a lot of overlap with me uh, and shared a lot of relatability one of the reasons i although big brother was uh, my mother was a huge fan of the show. Um, there wasn't really that relatability aspect in the early years when I was growing up to watch it. 
And I think a lot of that had to do with the lack of diversity and representation, not necessarily it had to be an Arab or Middle Eastern man to get on there, but even someone like more similar to my friends or something, you know, I can associate with. If you look at the early on casts of Big Brother, you know, it's one primary demographic. And that's why it was so important to me. And this isn't just Big Brother. This was reality TV as a whole. So I never really got into reality TV, one, because I was always working and studying but and exercising, but two, because it wasn't relatable. It wasn't my escape. It wasn't reality for me. Um, it lacked that, you know, diversity and that, you know, everyday feel of what you truly interact with. And for me, and I'm sure you guys can relate, um, you know, Middle Eastern and Arabs, we're not given the easiest time with the media. Um, a lot of the times, no, we're, no. a lot of the times when I see Arab man, uh, my heart drops every time I see an article, and I see the word Middle Eastern or Arab in the title or the headline, my heart sinks a little bit. Or Muslim. If I see any one of those words, I'm preparing to read the worst always, and I hate that I have that you know that association it, it literally it, it it's fearful it's underwhelming and this is someone from the community this is from someone who you know is a middle eastern arab who like you know grew up in a muslim family like seeing that and that's coming from me now imagine the people who don't have associations or don't know any muslims or don't know any middle easterns or arabs you're constantly fed these negative narratives or informations and, you know, it can lead to an unconscious bias. So as you guys mentioned, I've worked so hard my entire life. I tried just by the way I'm, I was raised, like live with, you know, live next to my moral compass, my integrity, you know, honesty, just, you know, key principles that I feel like are a part of our culture. And I, when the show reached out to me and, you know, Big Brother being the show that it is, you know, it's based on a lot of manipulation, lies, um, there's certain characters to portray. Um, you know, my family was not supportive. They were very worried. I was in the beginning of my legal career and they were like, Joseph, do you understand this could destroy everything that you've worked for up into here? And my family's main point is this isn't about Big Brother, the show. This is about, you know, Middle Eastern representation and Arab representation in media. Like you're entering the media, whether it's reality TV or, you know, any, any, the portrayal here is usually negative. And, uh, my family was so, so worried about it. And I, I remember, you know, from a selfish standpoint, they, it, the thought it was a justifiable, you know, concern. And I was thinking like, do I really want to go on here? Like, you know, I I'm about to start working as an attorney, personal trainer. I've worked so hard to get here. What if I go on there and, you know, at the end of the day, it's reality TV and we're being recorded. So mm -hmm. I, I was just worried, you know, maybe the edits, the portrayal, maybe people won't like me. Who knows? But then I thought, and I'm like, this is the exact. And then, you know, as Adam's like, we're very traditional. We're camera shy as well. So, like, it doesn't help um, in that aspect. But I was like, you know what? This is I, I thought and I was like when I was a little kid and I remember my uncle said something to me that really resonated with me about my decision whether to go on the show and um and this is why i was so uh you know complacent with an alternate position because i i truly ha didn't make the the decision in my mind as well and my uncle who um immigrated from syria due to the war 
he was talking to me and he was like, um, I asked him what, what was his final straw? He goes, you know, what was my final straw? He goes, I was, um, he was like, I was at the house in Syria and a bomb dropped and it shook the entire city of Damascus. And he was like, I remember thinking, he was like, I, your, he was like, your cousins were in school. And he was like, when your cousins were in school and the bomb dropped, he was like, I told myself I would never be able to live with myself if I don't see your cousins again because of that, that bomb. And he was like, from there, we packed our bags and we went to Egypt and we worked on our paperwork to come to America. And he was like, now we're here. And he was like, this isn't Syria anymore. He was like, we don't turn on the TV and we hear Arabic. We don't turn on the TV and see another Syrian. We don't turn on the TV and see any, any Arabs. And he was like, you know, you're given an opportunity to start changing just a little of it, you know, just not saying it needs to be primarily, but just enough where when someone like my cousins turn on the TV or anyone, you know, needs that diversity or that exposure, you can. And I swear after that conversation with him, I made the decision I was going on the show. So I, uh, I mean, I, I, it, it was so important to me to just give that perspective to the and not even I, when I say America, just maybe just the Big Brother population, and you know, slowly right. have it grow. Well, I love that you were. I love that you were on the show. You were, you know, you, you obviously you're you're of your descent, but you you weren't. It wasn't like your identity, you know. No. Um, it was very much so like, oh, here's Joseph. Um, he's he's known for all this stuff, and. It's. I feel like that's that's as important as somebody who maybe goes on the, the show and is maybe more open about whatever their their faith or you know their their cultural ties are because then it becomes accessible to people. Then it's like, oh wait, I'm a, I'm a fan of Joseph when maybe typically I wouldn't have thought I would be a fan of you know out of out of Americans or or people who are you know born in Muslim households. So then it's kind of it's it's seen as oh I don't have to you know walk around with my kafia on. You know, singing Muhammad Abbas, and yeah. you know, you know, it's 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 so cool just to see you just you know being yourself, and like you've alluded to it, you know, your your father having his expectations, and and you know your your mother dealing with you know her her own battles, your family having these expectations of you, and you being from what I understand the oldest of your siblings. Yes. How do you, how do you manage to like? you know, walk that line, like, you know, with, with certain people, you're Yusuf with other people, you're Joseph. And, and how are you still chasing like your dreams? And obviously it may be a work in progress still, but like, how have you navigated that minefield thus far? Um, and, um, it's, as you mentioned, it's a work in progress. It's definitely difficult to manage at the end of the day, you know, I'm an Arab American. So wearing these different hats, does have its difficulties because it puts a lot of pressure on your shoulders like a role model for my 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 family my father who worked so hard my mother who you know has strived so hard in her life like uh and just to live up to these expectations can be extremely daunting but again it's i i'm given this luxury and this opportunity you know to make my family and even now you know even more other people's family um friends just proud and i will try and strive to do that to the best of my ability but as you mentioned you can't make everyone happy mm -hmm. like 
uh, <laughs> I've gotten a lot yeah. of, you know, uh, someone who is clearly, as I mentioned, I'm an Arab American. So a lot of times I'll get some heat from <laughs> the Arab community about, oh man, yeah, you know, like about certain aspects or, you know, there's some people who weren't comfortable. Um, I've gotten a lot of messages about, you know, how vocal I was about, you know, me being an Arab and that led to a lot of, you know, derogatory <laughs> names and messages. Like oh, man. It, yeah. you can't make everyone happy. And I all. think walking that line can be difficult, but at the end of the day, the main happiness that I prioritize is those of, that I love and myself. So as yeah. long as I'm maintaining the happiness in that aspect, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and um, navigating it. And, you know, it's a million dollar question, but once you can <laughs> solve it, hopefully I can reach it. But it is a work in progress, especially considering how drastic my life has changed in the last couple of months. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious, too, because obviously there was like some risk going on the show because of the exposure. Um, yeah. Do you feel that now that, now that you finished the show, finished the show and out there, do you feel like the response, the response is more... and do you think people kind of see Middle Eastern people in a different, like in a different perception, like, or has, has it, is it still kind of, uh, uh, like skewed toward, toward, like, whenever you see a Middle on TV, you kind of have this idea of what you're gonna expect, expect, like, like this is the first step for for change, this, uh, like a start of something, something better. Yes. I, and as you mentioned, I think this is a start and a step in the right direction. And, you know, every, you know, Middle Eastern that's come on the show before me and doing and, and not even limited to Big Brother, you know, getting in front of the camera and just being who we are. There's good and bad people in every culture and every background and every walk of life. But I think getting a little bit more exposure, at least for us as, you know, Arabs, for the good and the decent people, I think mm -hmm. is so important. And that's why I have so much respect for Kaser and any other Arab. I'm trying to become very familiar with all the other ones who right, got on right. the show before me. But, 24 you know, seasons. That's yeah. <laughs> and, you know, getting on here and uh, again, I, like you guys mentioned, I don't just pride myself in my Arab background, but I do feel like considering the circumstances of the world we live in today, it is something I like to highlight. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, me walking out of the show, you know, um, and, and being faced with some love and support means a lot to me because, you know, that was a huge concern of mine. And, you know, now I, I know another fan favorite was Kaser. So like, you know, that's two, you know, people of Middle Eastern backgrounds that, you know, represented themselves and their culture and their background on the show in a positive light. And, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the news, but it is the step in a right direction. So now when, people do read Muslim out of Middle Eastern, you're not right. immediately associating it with something negative. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of other uh, immigrant communities or first generation immigrants or, you know, repeated generation immigrant communities that can relate to parts of your journey as well. I know you talked about your name change in previous uh, interviews that you've done. You know, you go by you go by Joseph now legally having been changed. Um, but, well, actually, you know, I was born with, uh, my name was actually, you know, I was born with Joseph as my legal name. Yusuf is just obviously my name in Arabic, but the reason my dad wanted to name me Yusuf um, when I was born, but he told me with him growing up with the, or him living in America with the complications he faced as being Ahmad, his first name, 
he <laughs> named me legally Joseph. He made my middle name, as you know, in Arab culture, usually it's the father name, Ahmad. But because yeah. my middle name was always, you know, basically alluding to the fact that I was an Arab and it was leading in application processes or in the public school system when that would get out, um, I was met with hostility. My dad and I agreed or not so much, you know, myself, my dad recommended that I go change my middle name um, to something, you know less how he would put it yeah yeah more more generic and less able less identifiable which is extremely extremely upsetting looking back at it because there's no reason i should have been hiding my identity to avoid hostility but it it is common amongst other communities i know i have a lot of asian american friends who you know when their families immigrate they names changed immediately just for the same reasons you know and it's it's yeah it's and it's unfortunately a dilemma that is not limited to Arabs. It's a it's a dilemma that is a worldwide issue, and um, mm-hmm. you know, there's no reason people should start hiding aspects of their identification in order to conform to what we quote unquote want to call normal or to maintain yeah. equal opportunity. And it's so upsetting. And you you know, like, and that's where it sends me back to just you know mentioning my background. Or on the show, a couple of people would call me Yusuf and, you know, just applying that normalization. Even when you guys brought up, um, do you want to go by Joseph or Yusuf? I really don't mind either one because, right. you know, at the end of the day, there are, I have friends legally named Yusuf. And um, the fact that when my dad was choosing a name for his child, he factored in bullying and stereotypes and that led him to make a decision not what he was genuinely happy with and what he wanted to name his kid. And he told me my name legally would have been Yusuf if it weren't for the complications that he faced in his life. So now, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been born and raised as Joseph. So changing it would, you know, I felt I feel some type of identity to it. But just as much as I go by Joseph, I do go by Yusuf. Yeah. And obviously, like your your father wants to better you. So it's not really... um, I don't think he think he's trying to kind of change your identity. It's more of kind of more of kind of setting you up, setting you up protection. Yeah, like protecting you, setting you up for success. Um, that's what a father would want for his kid, for sure. Absolutely, and, and I can tell you from my experiences, I think it was well founded because even just my middle name being Ahmad has led to so many, you know, a lot of bullying, a lot of complications um, um, in in application processes or backgrounds. Like, you know, a lot of times um, I can tell by the inquiries. Like I I recall like uh, growing up, you know, especially with me watching my father, he has been through so much strife and struggle because of his accent, because of his, um, you know, his culture differences and his lack of conformity. And just, you know, being the person he is. And, and this doesn't even have anything to do with him being out of this. This has everything to do with him being an immigrant and being what we quote unquote call different. I've watched him suffer for it. And that's, that's the narrative I want to change. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong. And it's not necessarily different. We all have our backgrounds. We all have, you know, our, and that's what makes, you know, this country so amazing is that we all come from different walks of life and come together and we should just normalize that not you know penalize people because they're not exactly the same as you yeah 
No, and you're doing it, man. I think you're doing it every every single day that you choose to be. I mean, we're all doing it in in our in our respective rights when it comes to you know living our lives. And I know for me, being bullied in in my elementary and, and middle school days before I started before I went through puberty and I got big enough to defend myself. But same, <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like I got t- I had teachers um, who were very open to telling me, "Hey, you're actually you know I, I would I would introduce myself as Brahim because that's what my you know that's what i went by in home and then they would correct me because the spelling is you know a with a's instead of i's they would correct me and say no it's actually abraham and i'll say okay and i just kind of went with that and even when the topic of the middle east came up like in social studies or any other history class there was always a i don't know if it was in if other classes or if it was just because i was the only Arab and, and Muslim person at my schools. I came from a, a primarily Hispanic community. Um, if I was the only Arab and they chose to want to kind of educate me, but I was told all the time, like, oh, Arab culture is oppressive and oh, you know, this oh, yeah. is, these are bad people. And I'm like a little kid. I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, I'm just listening to what my teachers are telling me and taking it as the gospel. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just like, and I, I would try to have with them. experience. Yep. Yeah, I would talk, I would talk to them and they'd be like, no, Abe, you're just you're just wrong. Oh, I'm like, okay, you know, I was too young to truly understand what was going on. Yeah, I, I, and I completely agree. I'll I'll never forget. I remember in high school, I went to a predominantly white high school, and every time in you know social studies or geography classes, the Middle East would come up. It was always always the word terrorism yeah. came up with it Same. as well. And I I was called in high school terrorist. Like it was literally. And as you mentioned, until I start exercising, working out, and yeah, you know, yeah. say that again now, and let's see what happens. And for me, dude, no, same it exactly. Stop. And and that I'll was, never that was the and, that's how people bullied me. You know, they called yeah. me that that word, and it was so yes. like normalized until I said, "No, don't call me that." The same until you stand your ground, and I, it, it's a name that I would consistently go by growing up in high school. Like, um, it was hit, hit to me more often than not. I hated learning about yeah. the Middle East or Arab culture in school, because the second this topic came up, I was met with negative repercussions every single time, whether it be a comment made, terrorism being brought up, uh, like, yeah. like me being called a terrorist, or when terrorism is being discussed, I'm getting all these eyes or a joke or a comment. Um, yeah. and, and it was definitely something I went through on my early years of high school. And in my early, um, even in like, early on in the public school environment, which led to me getting pulled and going to Arabic school was because my cousins were, you know, getting bullied so bad post 9-11 that my father pulled all, all the brothers, everyone in my family, we all got pulled out of the public school system and were sent to Arabic school to avoid it. And yeah. um, that wasn't a solution. That wasn't the answer. And, no, um, you know, fortunately not- we're taking steps in the right direction, but you know, it's a it's a discussion that has to be made. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting, and it's almost you know as as backwards as it seems. It's very um, almost reassuring to know that there's shared experiences that were happening kind of at the same time because that's very similar to me. You know, it was almost like it was so normalized how much people would just come up and ask me questions like, "Hey, uh, I was almost like I was the the, the go to Arab for a lot of people, or I was a go to Muslim for people." It was like. Hey, um, and not even like I, I would, I would genuinely be okay answering like curiosity, but it's it's tough to answer questions about your an entire race of people or an entire group of people, um, when you're like ten, eleven, twelve. Like, hey, yeah. hey, hey, why, 
why do uh, Muslims not eat pork? I don't, it's just not, we don't do it, man. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, same. You're, you're the mouth. You start feeling different. You know, yeah, you start feeling like you an outcast. You definitely do feel it. I remember like people, when I was extremely younger, people would tell me like, um, they'd be like, oh, where are you from? Or what, what do you do? And they'd be like, oh, my, my dad says you guys are bad. Like literally those exact oh, yeah. words. Dude. And I, I would be like, like what? And you know, as you mentioned, like being eight, nine or growing up in these environments, this is why like I wasn't well integrated growing up. And it was because of a fear from my dad. Um, he, he just felt like there were more often than not. And constantly I recall them having to talk to the school um, or the bus drivers because of bullying. And, yeah. um, you know, unfortunately, like we, just, we just get so numb to it that, like, we don't think it's as big as a deal as it actually is. And, yeah. and I recall thinking that, like, I remember, like, I got actually now, obviously, no longer, but I was, and my siblings as well, like, we, when we heard the word terrorist, like, it was like a very common name calling mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. aspect to us. And we almost didn't even feel any type of pain or regard to it because we all would just disregard it. Like, um, and, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, and it's a huge reason, you know, I, back to tying it into the show, got associated with it because, you know, although the situation has improved, there's still a ways to go. And I think, you know, this is something that can slowly be addressed in a numerous ways. And like you said, we're all doing our part to do that. Yeah. I'll say this though. I think that it, it as, as, as awful and as terrible as the experience was, I do think it had a, a huge factor into contributing into how we now view fitness as a part of our lives. Yes. Because if you grow up in adversity, if you grow up with with trials that put you to the test, manifesting that in a physical form as exercise, diet, nutrition, or just being a, a more motivated individual, it, it almost makes too much sense you know, for someone who faces adversity to be as, as motivated as, as we all are here. And I, you know, to say you're fortunate because of, you know, going through that, it, it seems almost too, too simple to do it because, you know, not everybody is fortunate enough to be successful uh, in our own rights as we are. But I, I'd, I'd say that it's, it's very motivational to know this next generation, you know, after us isn't going to have to face the same uh, trials and tribulations. You know, my son, I, I'm I was I'm fortunate enough to name him Rami and not just give him an, a quote unquote Americanized name like you and I um, have to go by. And, you know, he, if he wants to change it, you know, that'll be a discussion we have when he's older. But that's truly why it was so inspiring to see, you know, someone like you on, on my television, because, you know, I'm thinking, oh, that's going to be Rami. You know, now he has the ability to, you know, the the, the less stigmatized it becomes the easier it becomes for those after us to, you know, to follow in our, our footsteps. So that, absolutely, you know, I wanted to say thank you for that as well, brother. And I, I, understand, I want to be mindful of your time. Um, <laughs> so I, I want to say, you know, being a lawyer, a BB alumni, you know, being an extra on the bold and beautiful and, you know, all of the other, <laughs> uh, all the other <laughs> initiatives that you're going to be a part of when you get your YouTube channel uh, as physically active as you are and the amount of, inspiration you put towards other people i just want to open it up to you and say you know any final thoughts that you have uh that you want to share with the audience uh yes first i want to say thank you so much for having me and giving me the chance to vocalize these characteristics and these aspects brother you know it means the world to me 
Um, I do appreciate and love the experience that I have been. And this is the first time I've, you know, um, I've been recently, you know, getting to open and get more information out on this aspect of who I am as a person. But one thing I will leave everyone who is listening with is, you know, just believe in yourself, be confident in yourself and, you know, approach diversity with open-mindedness and everyone keep in mind, you know, we're all different. We all have our own goals and just stick to, and I always say this and I just did believing in who you are as a person and what you can do that will send you a world ahead. So just please everyone maintain that philosophy, keep an open mind and going forward, whether it's a fitness journey, a career journey, any type of journey, if you're going to walk it, walk it with, you know, that foot forward, strong and believing in everything that you do. Love it. Where can people find you, brother? Uh, so I can be found on Instagram at Abdin Joseph, Twitter, Joseph Abdin, TikTok, Joseph Abdin Esquire. That's E-S-Q. YouTube channel is TBA. And um, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you guys giving me this platform and this chance to speak with you. Absolutely love it to have you, Joseph. And also, if you're going to be going there following Joseph, you might as well follow us as well. At Chalk My Back on Instagram, you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts new episode every tuesday while you're listening to our podcast you might as well go ahead leave a positive review if you're gonna leave a negative one don't even bother five star <laughs> reviews please but uh truly uh follow joseph on his journey big brother is a start for a lot of us following you joseph but it definitely won't be the, it won't be the end um thank you thank you so much thank also so much. the outro music is playing right now um could i ask you to say hi to my wife she loves you uh, so much she probably won't say anything to you because she's so um <laughs> giddy. i want to i want to see if i can get her from the other room she if you could just say hi i think she'd probably of course uh, die please, immediately. please tell her just don't, about tell, tell her don't sweet talk to her though yeah. <laughs> be a little bit less charming <laughs> of course of course but tell her Marhaba, tell her congratulations on the beautiful baby i can tell he has two amazing parents and there's, <laughs> there's a bright future ahead of him and i can't wait for what's in store thank you so much i mean you thanked me her name is ruth by the way ruth thank you so much like thank you both for what you're doing i mean you thanked me for you know what i'm doing but this platform this dialogue you hosting this conversation you're doing just as much and that baby has a bright future with two amazing parents. So, and thank you, Ruth, so much for watching the show. I appreciate it. I'm a huge fan of both of you now. So, oh, much hey, love. Hey, hey, hold on. Hey, I know. <laughs> Dude, right, I'm gonna have to cut off. Yeah, yeah, no. Congratulations on the beautiful family. I, I, you guys have a bright future. I love it, man. I love it. Thank you so much. I mean, I almost don't want to let you go. I'm gonna stop cutting right now. But no. I, I,